0: This is the Unearthing Art Podcast with Michelle Illuminato and Beck Lee, where we dig into the messy reality of making art that matters, raw and real conversations about being an artist, navigating the creative process, and expressing our honest and sometimes weird
1: selves. Michelle, today I thought we could have a chat about a feeling that I get, and I, and I know I'm a little bit weird, but I'm, I'm sure that I'm not so weird that I'm the only person who has this feeling. <laughs> but a feeling that I get sometimes that where it just feels really difficult to get into a studio, just really find myself avoiding it, almost, oh, like my body's preventing me, you know, from going in there, something's in the way. Yeah, I think, well, for starters, you're not
0: alone. I definitely don't think you're alone. I think that we all experience that at some level. And what I'm really curious to know more about is... Sort of the background of like how we are as individuals and h- how we think about things. We've talked about our backgrounds being very different. You were a great A student. I was not. I can say honestly, that was a very big difference. So I was always striving for perfection, but never really felt like I achieved it. I right. did find that I did get better grades um uh, when I went to art school, because I really liked it. But you know, that striving for perfection was something that I was always attempting to do. And I say was, is, I still do. Mm-hmm. And it does catch me in the studio pretty frequently. So I'm just curious, as a super high achiever from the beginning, what is that? Does that play into the way you're experiencing your art practice as well?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think we always feel a bit weird until we hear someone else telling their story. We go, hang on, that is exactly like me. I am not such a strange bird after (laughs) all. Because I've certainly um, read other people retelling how being someone who does well academically in school, in early school and high school, isn't necessarily all it's cracked up to be. (laughs) Particularly people who find... A bit of natural book smarts that that carries them through their school life. Because I think we all have different talents in different areas. And certainly, you know, when they were handing out athleticism, completely missed, (laughs) completely missed this girl. Like, I've got none of that. We've got that in common because I have the same thing. I
0: cannot do a single sport. I was relegated to when I tried out for the basketball team, which is hilarious because I'm super short. Yeah. Um, they gave me the job of ball girl.
1: I got to pick up the balls. (laughs) Nice. On our sports afternoons, we had choices of things we could do and I would, I would always end up choosing the kind of things like there was a walking group. (laughs) Just walk. Just walk. walk. So other people are, you know, doing the soccer and the tennis and the football and whatever else. And um, I'm just walking laps, talking to my friends. The way that our education system is now, it definitely favours people who slide quite easily into book learning, that kind of structured learning. And so, yeah, definitely that was me I did well. I studied physics and higher maths in high school and all that kind of thing.
0: I'm glazing over. I'm like, what? What? (laughs) Which can sound super impressive. (laughs) I was so far away from all of that. I was
1: like, don't even get me near that stuff. But the thing is, then we get, I don't know, this story, which I think both of us would have absorbed in that time, which is the people who are doing well in those kind of areas, they must have life sorted. Yes, because with me, I don't think people expected much of me, which
0: is hilarious. Right. And there was a bit of like flying under the radar for that, I think, that happened. And so when I did well in art school, it was like surprising for all of us. It was like, (laughs) oh, I can actually do all right (laughs) when you like something.
1: (laughs) Isn't it funny the layers in this? So on one hand, there's this idea that like a kid who's doing well, you know, even that early stage of life, they must have it together together if they're doing well now, they're going to continue doing well. I think the kid themselves believes that and probably, you know, the other ones who maybe aren't meeting those same high expectations probably look at them and say, well, they're just going to go through uni, they're going to get a great job. You know, everything's going to work out because... It's all laid out. It's all laid out. As though everything works on that one kind of standard or that one way of of operating in the world. And yeah. so in some ways, and this is not an unusual story that um, I know that when so-called high achievers, particularly ones who maybe don't have to do a great deal of work to be high achievers, let's say, get further along in their studies or higher studies, it can become a bit of a shock because they're been so used to having success come fairly easily And kind of Ah. feeling very capable. And so when you start to hit obstacles where the answers don't come so quickly and where suddenly you don't have the same... It's not as obvious to you what's right and wrong. It's not as obvious to you like, oh, here's how the system works and this is how... I get an A-plus at the, at the end of the semester. Hold on.
0: Plus <laughs> not like that.
1: <laughs> and art is
0: definitely not like that. That's one thing that I was just listening, thinking. I mean, I think as artists, I hear this a lot where I think we're always looking for the one right answer. Mm-hmm. And there isn't one right answer. And so... I find that, you know, even for myself, when I go into the studio, even today, like, I will do something and I I do feel that little hesitation of like, is it what I'm going to do next? Will that mess this up? Mm-hmm. You know, and I do find a little bit of, um I think now it's more hesitation, I do catch myself, but I think that it's something that still comes up because I am trying to achieve you know, perfection, mm. as if there's a right answer, Yeah. by the way. Like, per- what does perfection
1: look like anyway? Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. like, what's the right answer? If it's that A+, plus, I'm not sure who's handing out the grades <laughs> on art. There's nobody <laughs> handing out grades. I need there's to go no to the one. school board, the art board, the <laughs> universal art board, and say, I want to contest my grade, please, and... <laughs> <laughs> I want to reset the test yeah, so that yeah. I can be given an A plus. Yeah, because uh, art is an ongoing process that you never stop, kind of growing, changing, evolving. And even when I say that, I think you can turn that into a story in your head that what you're doing is changing, growing, and evolving towards this A plus, towards this perfection, towards this kind of. Um, You know, I don't think of it as perfection so much as just uh, a certain expectation, which Mm -hmm. given time, perhaps a smidgen of maturity and and kind of reflection, I can start to recognise as an unreasonable expectation and unreasonable Mm -hmm. standard. Um, But certainly there's a particular mark that, that you're trying to reach and um, that's the interesting thing, I think, about art. You can't rank it on a, a two-dimensional continuum, you know, where you've got a low standard and a medium standard and a high standard because actually art is a three-dimensional, possibly four and five-dimensional. It goes off in every direction. There's a lot of space for a lot of different art in the world that has different purposes, has different sort of outcomes that sparks different feelings and results in people. And so yeah. from that point of view, even looking at it in a very practical way, how can you possibly place all of that on a kind of a standard bell curve, of, which, is a- the, which is the high standard art and which is the low standard
0: art? <laughs> which, which is funny too because recently I was talking to this young artist that my daughter knows and he was right off the bat showing me his mistakes. He's like, I did this and here's what I did wrong. Instantly. And I was like, you're the only one who knew what you wanted it to be. You don't have to tell people about your mistake. And I just find that I do I find that in the studio where I'm like, oh, it's supposed to be this way. We get this idea in our head of what we think it's going to be. I mean, we've talked about this before and we we have this idea of it's going to look like this and this even though it's like I don't really think that's a very clear picture mm-hmm. when we're imagining that. And then when it comes out a different way, we get so upset with it that we feel that it's failed or it's disappointed us. And, you know, I've even gone to the point of like, maybe I should just chuck this thing away. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. it's just not worth it. And when I can step back and give myself literally like physical space and time, I can look at it and say, Am I actually just being hard on it? <laughs> like, is it worth throwing away? And I can tell you from the people who collected it that they would say, no, no, it wasn't worth throwing away.
1: You know what I mean? You know that I know what you mean, be, Michelle, because <laughs> I had that very situation like a few months ago, didn't I? I was uh, working on some pieces and I was treating them more as just a loosening up exercise. And I was playing with some collage and kind of being really relaxed about it, throwing things around. And then I told you that that's what I'd been doing in preparation for going and doing the high standard work in the studio. And I said, it, it, you know, nothing worthwhile. And you said, well, can I see? And I said, no, no, you wouldn't. No, it's just, it's just junk. You don't want to see. And I showed you. And then you said, well, this is, there's and some, that's something here. Are you sure that you don't want to? I'm like, no, no, it's nothing. It's bits of paper, it does nothing for me. But I didn't throw them out. I just slipped them into a folio and left them there. And then I, <laughs> two or three months later, I came back to you and said, Michelle, I really like these. <laughs> I think there might be something here. I think
0: there's something here. Yeah. And FYI, I think she's recently shared some stuff on her Instagram yeah. showing those. That's it. But it just goes to show like how much unseen artwork um, there would be or is because we have these hesitations of the standards that we're trying to achieve. And well, what I like to say is like, even from my perspective of doing this for a while, it doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. We just have to become more aware of it, I think, and really looking at it like, I literally have to tell myself like, yeah, I see you. I see you hesitating and twitching. Just do it. Get in there and just do it, you know? And so I have to give myself a little bit of
1: a pep talk. and maybe suspending some judgment because what I love about that idea and that you know experience that I've had is that it just goes to show these ideas that we have that we think are very fixed I can be very fixed I can be sure that I know right now the difference between a high standard that I'm happy with and that this particular thing is not that standard like right now I can tell you I'm hundred <laughs> percent sure laughing with you what that looks like <laughs> And yet a week can go by. Like, have you ever had that experience where you're painting in the studio and you finish the day, it's, you know, time to put the brushes down and you look at the wall and you just think, this is the most hideous thing. I can't believe what a mess I've made. I'm going to have to clear this all out tomorrow and start again. And you go to bed and literally less than 12 hours later, you walk back in and the thing's dried. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the thing that you so you terribly <laughs> overworked and suddenly you're like, you're like, huh, that's not so, there's some lovely bits to that. There's something there. Yeah, yeah So it totally. just goes to show that it's not thick, like just yeah. a little bit of, just as much as in that moment you can convince yourself that it's perfectly clear, you know exactly how it's entirely wrong, like that painter, um, yep. your daughter's friend that you're talking about. It's funny. Our minds are tricky, tricky tricksters, I, I guess is what that I'm saying.
0: It's it, To me, it sort of speaks into how emotional we are when we're creating. Mm-hmm. Because I've also had the opposite experience, too, where I'm in this moment and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> and then the next day I go in the studio and go, oh, my God, what was I talking
1: <laughs> <laughs> Have you had that or is that um... just me? Maybe that be, maybe actually that speaks to our different kind of innate viewpoints because I think maybe I'm such a hard judge early in the process that it would be I'm much more likely to get that terrible. And you're so open-minded because I wonder whether going back to that idea of kind of earlier formative experiences that we, we had in schooling about, what it meant to reach or not reach certain external standards, and then the feedback that we had about that, and then how we responded to that. I wonder if that feeds in a little bit because we've talked before about you have a real tenacity, I think, with, um, and a different response to when you feel like you've perhaps some level of what one could call failure, you know, like that you're yeah, like, okay, yeah. well. I go again, I go again, I go again. Yes. And I and I'm a bit little yes. more like, Oh my god, I I collapse in a heap. What See, has happened? Uh-
0: <laughs> but I think it does go to show like I have had to fail over and over and over. Like I haven't had those moments where everything was consistently amazing you know I really even when I was doing well in art school I was really enjoying the work and I was getting good grades but I did have some teachers who were like you're not doing it you know in the traditional sense Mm -hmm. of the scope of the project I was always off doing a little bit like outside of You know, outside, which is funny because it's like makes perfect sense. A
1: little left field, Michelle. A little left field.
0: (laughs) I was like, yeah, you want me to do my thesis about this? I'm kind of going to go over here. So I did get a little backlash for that. So even when I felt like I was doing, you know, well and doing things, I still felt a bit of a backlash. I suppose that has built up a little bit of callousness. A bit of resilience. Yeah, a bit of resilience and be like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to try again. Yeah, And I think that it's sort of like there are perks to being underestimated. Mm-hmm. But it, And
1: I think yeah. what's important there is, is, you know, your perception that you're underestimated because that's what this comes yeah. down to. In reality, there's no one out there expecting that Beck's going to get an A plus every day. And there's no one out there thinking, oh, well, Michelle's not going to do better than a D every day. You know, there is no... <laughs> Grade grading right. group watching us, but that's kind of what we've internalized. It's a story, isn't it, that we've internalized yeah. about what we think or just really feel. It's like kind of I find I experience a bit like a gut feeling, as in a sense of dread that that you're not going to meet it's, these kind of expectations or standards, and then that really can. Push my behavior around? Yeah, I mean, I think
0: it really goes to show how much it defines mm-hmm. the actions that we take and the behaviors that we have around that, you know. And I think it's, in, like you said, it becomes internalized, and it's, it's like emotion meets these stories that we try to put in this logical box, mm-hmm. you know, and it makes absolutely no sense. No one is over your shoulder looking <laughs> and going back. You are supposed to
1: do A-plus work today or you don't get to proceed. And you know what makes even less sense is when you start to unpack it and you think, okay, I'm feeling this reluctance or I'm feeling this fear because I have these standards that I want to reach with my art. And then you think, well, how have these standards and how I'm managing that, perfectionism, anxiety, maybe procrastinating, maybe avoiding the studio. How are those actually helping me achieve those standards? A big fat zero. <laughs> a big fat zero. <laughs> because if you don't go with it, if, if you can't work with a sense of yes. freedom, then, you know, it's a, it's a catch-22. And
0: the thing that, I guess, one of the things that I've gotten so much better at is that risk-taking thing mm. that happens where you get surprises from the risks mm. and with knowing you know that i'm going to fail regularly Mm -hmm. it's less like it doesn't a risk doesn't feel like a risk yeah it's like well it's gonna it could suck anyway you know so i think for me it feels more um natural to go in even though i'm optimistic (laughs) it could work (laughs) i guess i'm not assuming it will because the track record's not always there But what I find really interesting about art and what I love about it is that it's actually in our mistakes, Mm -hmm. you know, our experiments that we find these gems that we couldn't possibly
1: discover without actually failing. I feel like you've gone a good way along to internalizing kind of the reverse. Your standard is around showing up and your standard is around making mistakes in order to to make the surprises. You felt some yeah. of that story within yourself and when you compare that kind of approach and say is that kind of approach going to get me closer to any particular standard? Obviously it is because it's making, it's the it's the quantity, it's the exploration. Mm-hmm. So that's really good when you can kind of turn it around and, and get something that's more of a, what do I want to say, it's more of a certainly more fertile. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. realm of possibility. Being frozen yes. and fearful and anxious and trapped in a sense of particular standards of perfectionism is, is really shutting down possibilities into this little box that you're stuck in and you can't, you know, move. But if you could turn it around and make the story about having a standard of showing up and a standard of making mistakes, like the more mistakes I can make. Yeah, definitely. And I think you're right. That is
0: the shift for me is the commitment to showing up is the standard. And really making, I guess, making failure specifically, you know, part of a strategy so it's not a surprise because it's going to happen anyway. For me, I haven't found really great paintings have come from so much thinking and less play. Yeah. I've just found that the play is where all of the juicy bits come from. When I'm in the studio, when I'm hesitating on something, I'm like, remember, this is how the good stuff comes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like it's that. like, I have to tell myself it's going to be okay. Because even if you mess it up, you can keep going and do something else. And like, it's not the end. I think we worry so much about, you know, the perfect mark. I don't do a lot of work with brushes at the moment, but I remember feeling like, Oh, this one mark's got to be just perfect as if that's going to like, it's, it usually gets covered up anyway. Mm. Like, what am I worried about? <laughs> you know, and then if you mix colors wrong and you experiment and you push it into this direction, like it's not the end of the world. You can, You know go over them and i it took me a long time as a painter to figure out like i can just go over things i don't know maybe i was a little bit slow learner (laughs) on that side of it because i worked a lot with transparencies and i really was like not getting how that would Mm -hmm. work to cover those but i mean i think the thing that is most fun about painting is that you literally can change everything it's never permanent Mm -hmm. there's nothing static about it ever until you actually pass it along to someone and they hang it on their walls and they don't want it to mm-hmm. change. But you can literally change it over and over and over. And so I think that freedom in that gives me that confidence. Like, you don't have to be precious. It's okay. You can go in there and take that risk.
1: It's not the end of the world. Again, no one's dying. No one's dying. <laughs> no, no one's dying. I'm, no one's I like dying. what you're saying as well around the idea that kind of remembering that the best things have come from play. I think another version of that would be because I know surprise is a really big value for you but now I think about it you know the best things come from surprise not certainty so that's another thing to think about so if you're working really hard towards being certain about your next step you can say hang on that's that's a sign that I'm not in the right place to be surprised I want to make surprise my standard and play my standard and showing up my standard. Right. Yeah. And this is the other part that's really cool as artists. I think because
0: it is that um, you know, area that we get to design what that looks like mm. for us. It's not something that is set in stone. And looking at our standards, I think is it's really interesting because this conversation's has really come back to what are our standards, you know, as artists and values that we have in And what values are really giving us what we want and what values aren't giving us what we want. Exactly, yeah. And then redefining those, but really being aware of that in the sense that you can really change them. Yes. Because I think if we don't really acknowledge what's happening for us internally, then we're not able to kind of make those big changes. And those big changes really look like lots of little changes. Mm -hmm. They're not like one big Oh my gosh! I'm start. Stop- I'm done being a perfectionist. Yeah, because
1: like you say, it's, it comes up. It's more about how quickly you recognize that something's taking you down the path and having a chance to redirect. Absolutely. And I, it, it's for me, it's very quick. I can. See, it's
0: like a physical experience for me. I don't know what it's like for you, but I definitely feel like it's like this invisible wall is holding my physical body mm-hmm. in a place. Oh my god! Yeah, you know, and it's.
1: <laughs> Is yes, that, I feel, feel that, that too. too? Okay, <laughs>
0: and when I feel that, it's almost like this magnetic. I don't even know how to explain it but to me. It feels like an energy kind of thing. I'm like, I see you. I got. I got <laughs> you. I know what we're doing here. And I'm like, it's going to be okay. Go get the materials you need. Take the next yeah. step. You know, like I can literally see myself. It's like a little dance that I'm doing where I'm trapped behind this invisible wall, and my hands don't want to.
1: You know. Do the yes. thing and I'm looking yeah like, yes. it's like takes a stab yeah it's gonna be okay so then you get really in the moment like what's the next little then I just the go I just literally go grab that you know
0: paint or whatever thing mm-hmm. I need to work with and I literally grab it put it down, and
1: just you know make that decision it's really interesting that you mentioned values because what <laughs> Kills me every time when I think about this is what I'm talking about is a discomfort with uncertainty and, you know, like a desire to have particular answers, to have a desire to have a known path, to have certainty that what I'm going to do next is going to work. And I find it funny because when you reflect on what are my values and the kind of choices I've been making over the course of my life. I can look at the arc of my work life and my creative life is I'm being moving more and more towards embracing more ambiguous expressions. You know, as a I worked as a librarian, so that can be considered quite a structured co- way of thinking and looking to the world. And then as a writer and as an artist, I've been really drawn towards the very thing I'm sure there's some kind of wanting to face what you fear most or something going on because I've been drawn more and more towards ways of exploring uncertainty and dabbling in that because I guess a part of me finds it really exciting and yet at the same time I'm pulling pulling against it. (laughs) It's terrifying. Yes, (laughs) thank you, terrifying. That's quite accurate. (laughs) (laughs) So it's good to look at that, to step back and look at, What are my bigger values? And I think that's a really important thing that something that I've been coming to grips with, that when you do feel that you're at that invisible wall, when you do feel frozen and you are kind of afraid to go into the studio and after you get past the initial excuses that it's a time thing or a, oh, I don't have the right materials, and when you start to get down to it, why why can I not just get in there and start doing the thing. There are lots of layers to this and we've talked in a previous episode about finding your why and like really digging into your values, what you get most out of being an artist, what you're in it for and therefore, you know, tying your actions to that. But I think also even if you've got that and now you are really invested in this bigger vision of what you want to achieve and you're invested in why you want to show up, you could still experience that kind of paralysis and that, kind, and that fear. And then that's when you start looking at these beliefs and stories. And you can start unpacking those. And you know what? It can still show up. Knowing that they exist still doesn't make you immune to feeling that. And then you're like getting into your bodies and emotions. And we've talked about that, you know, like doing body work, doing some meditation. So there's multiple layers. And sometimes uh, along with this idea of perfectionism and high standards, I'd have to say that I can get into a state where I'm kind of applying those even more deeply to how I show up. And what I mean by that is that it feels like a, a kind of a wasted time to have to stop and do you know the meditation or to kind of take care of myself in that way like I think oh come on why can't you be an artist who just shows up nine o'clock in the morning walks in confidently and gets on with the job so there's layers of judgment there's layers of standard
0: (laughs) there's a massive (laughs) amount of layers of judgment and the other thing I want to point out too is that we have this idea of this, again, this goes back to maybe this is just me, but this idea of this is what we're going to be as a perfect artist. We're going to show up, we're going to do this thing, we're going to be like this. And so Mm -hmm. instead of understanding like it's a gradual process to change our behaviors, we think Mm -hmm. it should be instantaneous. It's not. I mean, it's just not. It's it's gradual. Like, I don't necessarily find that I hesitate to get in the studio as much as I used to in the beginning. It was gradual. I find that I don't hesitate as much now, you know, over time on an actual painting, but I still do. So Mm -hmm. I think, but it's all gradual. It's not just poof, we're like the perfect artist.
1: And then do you find, and not... (laughs) I mean this in a positive way, not to be a depressing way. But do you find that then other, you know, challenges or other things come up, and then you yes. work on those things? Yes, it's yeah. So I guess from my perspective, I think I think it's
0: an illusion that any of this goes away a hundred percent. I think what is interesting is if we can start to notice little small things that. Our changes. You know, how do we catch ourselves when we find ourselves in this invisible wall and we're resisting to go in the studio? How can we catch ourselves and, and slowly going, no, I'm going to go in there. It's going to be okay. And I always, you know, when I was resisting, when I was earlier in my painting, I would just go in and sometimes clean up because it made me yeah. feel like, okay, I'm here. And then I found like, oh, well, I'm just, I just started Playing because I was accidentally cleaning up some paint that I thought maybe I could play with. You know what I mean? Yeah, so absolutely. I think that it's more subtle in the gradual progress. And mm. to think that we're going to become this perfect artist, as in like, you know, we're not fearful of things, that's just crazy, in my opinion. Because yeah. even when I have opportunity opportunities come up now, I still find my
1: old autopilot fears pop up and go... Well, this isn't possible. Your brain starts finding immediately, looking for the "why nots." Yes, why not? Why this isn't going to work? Why I can't do this thing? Why it's it's wired to look for those problems? And I I find it kind of um, hopeful in a way. (laughs) Beck with her kind of backwards thinking, that it's not—it's not a continuum of oh, oh, I'm starting here at the beginning, and at some point I'm going to become the perfect artist and the perfect person who doesn't have any of these problems. Um, And the reason why that's hopeful is it means it's not a race. Yes. It means that, you know, you're not further behind. It's not like, oh, if only I could, you know, be in the advanced class, (laughs) I could get to it more quickly because it's actually... Yeah.
0: (laughs) There's no advanced class. See, that's the bonus of not actually
1: doing a lot of advanced classes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's true. I guess... You know, when I was talking about the standards earlier, it's more of a three dimensional thing. Um, you're not on a, a single two dimensional continuum. It's the same for the journey of your art. You're not actually on a continuum from beginning artist to excellent artist at the end. You're actually in this kind of whole sphere. And you know, sometimes you're this kind of artist, sometimes you're that. I mean, hopefully, I really hope, and I know that this is something that we value in the way that we think about art and we talk about in this podcast. We value the new discoveries, which means that you might change direction as an artist. And guess what happens when you change directions? You're at the beginning
0: again of not feeling like you know what you're always doing. I think that.
1: That's growth, right?
0: Yeah. It can be challenging because you're like, I really expect to know what I'm doing. But I Mm -hmm. think the reality is like, whenever you grow and change, you know, it's just a new experience. And so, if we can start looking at it from, you know, okay, this is a new experience, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to always suck. And this one mistake (laughs) is going to be defining me, you know, defining suckfulness. Yeah. I am constantly surprising myself on how new I feel to the game, even with successful paintings.
1: And I think yeah. that's because I'm always trying new things. And if we reverse positions right now and you told me what I'm about to say to you, i probably want to like come through the screen and sock you. But, um, <laughs> I, because I know <laughs> that can feel terrible in the moment. But when you think about it from the outside, isn't that? Freaking awesome. Yes. That you can feel like a beginner. So, yes. a- again and again in your life, that we yeah. don't actually get to a point in our life when we're 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 and think, yeah. oh, it's all done. I know everything there is to know. You know, no. everything's routine. Actually, you can. That's the exciting That's thing the adventure. about nature. That- you can.
0: That's the, for me, that's the adventure. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love to evolve my work is I really do love that new experience of discovery and finding new things and, and challenging myself. I think that's the other thing is, you know, I wasn't really an A student, as we know by now, but I have a real great appreciation for challenging myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that didn't always make sense when I took Russian randomly, you know, in university for a year. Wow. (laughs) I was like, you know, it was really fun and Excellent. super creative because the teacher was really good, but I was really interested in seeing it in a different way, even back yeah. then. And I was 20 and I was like, huh, I wonder what this would be like. If I look back on my life, I'm even from an early age, you know, in high school, making choices of electives and, and things that would just give me a different weird perspective, you know, that I did not make dissent. sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So I love those moments of a kind of insight. I guess that for me I would relate that to the way you've talked about wanting to be surprised in the studio. Yeah. I love the payout of those moments of sudden insight or clarity and logically I can I can absolutely say that they don't come because they're surprising connections. They're moments yeah. where ideas connect that I Couldn't have anticipated. That's why they're thrilling. If it was really obvious from the beginning, then it would. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's no thrill. (laughs) Right. Um, I will say one little insight I had about this in the last week, and I was thinking about this idea of having unreasonably high standards. You know that you that you're going to get it right the first time, and if you don't, then you failed in some way. And that also that you should somehow be able to manage things in a really effortless way, whether that's Mm -hmm. your, you know, what you're doing in the studio, whether that's these kind of beliefs and and things that you've picked up. And I was just thinking, hang on a minute, who do you think you are? Why would you think that you should be able to do all of these things any more than anyone else? Because I feel like we often hold ourselves to higher standards and pour more judgment on ourselves than we do other people around us. You yes. know, like we kind of get this idea of ourselves as being somehow—we don't think of it that way—but somehow able to be superhuman, yes. to be, you know, above <laughs> what it means to be human, which is to yes. be messy and to have feelings and to have beliefs and hangovers from you know shit we've been through and yeah. stuff like that. I know. So, hey, you're a human being, just... Just be human. Just be human. Just show up. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> you don't get to know what it's going to be ahead of time. That's part of the deal in being human, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I like that phrase. And the thing is, what I find laughable, and I'm laughing with you, not at you. Yeah. But if, we, if we're if we like, oh, yeah, that's what it's going to be exactly, you and I would be like, well, we're not going to do that.
1: <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> We're not going to do that. Well, that's boring. Hey, human condition, people. That's that's what it is. Oh, we have
0: these things. We are human. <laughs> and there's no, there's no getting around being human. It doesn't no. matter how much experience. So I would just say to anyone listening who's new or maybe intermediate, I've been at it for a while, but I still have the same things come up. And I mm-hmm. still feel like I'm a beginner, yeah. you know, as well. And I think, again, that is mindset. Probably because I'm looking for that ride we just talked about. Yeah. So as long as you can be gentle, more gentle, I think that is required over time. Yeah. Because one thing I do know is the suffering that I've added because you know I've I've tortured myself with my (sighs) internal thoughts that hasn't actually benefited me. So I think learning to be gentler to ourselves, you know, like give yourself some space. Maybe it's a few weeks to see things and go, wow, that actually wasn't so bad. Or if you're like me and you think, wow, that was the best thing ever. And then it sucks the next day. Don't be disappointed. Go at it again. You know, like I think being gentler and, and again, realizing that it is this ride that's full of ups and downs and we're just human. And that, that is, that's what we're here to do. I think- what I want to help artists do through this podcast and other things is, is to really help in the suffering that we yeah. give ourselves. Yeah. That to me, that's been a bit of a game changer when I can catch myself and just, I wouldn't say delete the suffering, but definitely shorten it.
1: Absolutely, And I think talking about it, having these conversations yeah. is so important because when we think it's just weird little old off. And yes. we by ourselves in our studios, having all yes. these horrible feelings. It feels so much worse. But if you can talk about it and go, "Oh, hey, lots of people feel this way," <laughs> and maybe even have a laugh about it, <laughs> maybe yes. even
0: have a laugh, have a few laughs, so
1: <laughs> yeah, it can really bring a different energy, can't it?
0: Yes, definitely. And just just to wrap this up. I would love for you, Beck, (laughs) to go in the studio and and just literally make something that you're like, that is the best thing ever. And then not like it the next day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just want you to experience that. I just, (laughs) I feel like you're putting a curse on me, but okay.
0: Well, (laughs) maybe you just go in shooting for a C and you're completely happy with it. Yeah, perfect. (laughs)